We're back. Welcome to Deep Thinking, the only motorcycle road racing podcast. He's Ed Sorbo from Lindemann Engineering. You can find him on the web at le-suspension.com. My name is Michael Gugis. You can find me on the web at motorbikeroadracing.com. You can find some photos that I've shot at, uh, where are they? Motorbikeroadracing.smugmug.com. Although there's some really cool pictures I shot from Cable Airport recently. Um, some of the uh, World War II military planes coming in for landings and takeoffs. Great shots. You can actually see the pilot, see that he hasn't shaved, read the patches on his uh, on his flight suit. It's pretty cool. It's those, a lot of fun. Those are airplanes, Michael. Yes, they are. This is show number 86 about motorcycles. It is. It is. But motorcycles and airplanes are kind of cool. They are. Well, motorcycles and airplanes are very, very cool. You know why? Because you have to take an active interest in operating them. They're not passive. The modern, the modern uh, passenger vehicle becomes more passive by the day. And as a matter of fact, technology has gotten to the point where computers can drive them better than we can. I'm going to be so much happier when I'm cruising down the highway and all those cars are being controlled by a computer rather right? than some kid oh on a texting instead of driving. Oh, I have a story. But first, Ed, um, have you had a chance, Ed Sorbo? To take a look at the 19... Caution, folks. Something's coming. At the 1988 U.S. Grand Prix at Laguna Seca. Have you had a chance Eddie to look Lawson does look back at exactly. Wayne Rainey. Exactly. So, so who was right on that one, Ed? Say it, boy. <laughs> who was right? I think we were both right, actually, because I'm the one who remembered the example. Yes, yeah. but... He uh, did look back. And that, like I said, right when you said that, was if he did, it was exceedingly rare. Dude, and, I just threw away that piece of trash. I know. You piled up right and there. We'll put it, and we'll, now you got another we'll one. put it away in 20 minutes. For, for the person who came to me at Laguna, or maybe it was Miller, and said, wow, Michael has trouble with his OCD. Uh, you no, can't I, see this because it's radio, it's, but he's peeling the label off of his water bottle obsessively rubbing at the glue now with his thumb and making little balls of of stuff. So you were right, sir. You were right. I don't struggle with OCD. I enjoy every moment of it. (laughs) So, Um, yeah, Wayne did look back. No, he uh, he would look back at Wayne. Eddie did. Eddie looked back at Wayne. I will will grant you this, because Eddie's a consummate professional, rarely did that. So when Mm -hmm. he did that... It told you well, just that was how a message. pissed he was. That was a middle finger for that sure. That was definitely. And the other, did you catch my other mistake? Which was? It was two laps. So Wayne brake checked him in turn oh, 11. Right. It took and him a while it to catch it, up. He caught up to a full lap, and then on the next lap, he and went And there was by. one other. You know, it wasn't for the lead. It was for second. They went and ran down um, Neil McKenzie after that. You know, that's a good example of how much we just finished watching the German GP folks. Oh, and we have to, we have to say this. We are at. The the, uh, the headquarters of Lindemann Engineering. We're in the shop right now. Our uh, Robert is working on Tony Serra's bike. And if you're listening to this podcast, if it somehow feels cooler than the other podcast, it's because Tony Serra is sitting in the room with oh, yes. us. Tony's, right? Tony's watching over our shoulder. Right? Business is good right now. Something just happened. That light just came on. Yeah, it's clipping it's, a little bit. Okay. We're good. Uh, business is good right now, and so I hired Robert to uh, do some of my uh, non-suspension work for me. Uh, and that's the noises you hear in the background, and he might holler for, for help. Yep. Um, You've got to be talented to be hired by Lindemann Engineering to do work for Lindemann Engineering. Not your regular uh, mechanic gets that gig. So congratulations, Robert. I hope you feel proud. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Get here, back here, to and, work. And here comes Tiki Dog. Tiki, what's up? Because Tiki knows I brought quiche over. Yep. Do you want to tell them what we use to counteract the quiche? But let's get back to our point on the the difference in the racing. So that race, what year was it? 80, 88. 88? No, 98. 
Okay, way, way back. Yeah, right? right? Uh, Tony's like, that was bikes, yesterday! Right? And we were excited about this one pass, you know, in the duration of the race, this one episode that took two laps. And then, and when that happened, the guy who was in first was so far away, you couldn't see him. Right. We just watched a MotoGP race, and you didn't know in, who the likely winner was until four laps to the end. Yeah, but on the other hand... And you didn't know who second place was going to be until the last corner. And... You know? But but let's be honest, the, the, the winner was 22 seconds up the road. In the know? end, he was, yeah. yeah. And the big gap was because... Two things. First of all, it's Marquez and Germany. That's eight wins in a row now. <laughs> I, I, I don't think the odds are going to be very good if you want to Mar- bet on him next year. Marquez just wants to race at Coda. And yeah, oh, yeah. If he was ring. making the schedule, <laughs> exactly. You know? um, United States again. And then, and then the the weather right. made it one of those you know interesting yeah. races. It was a great example of how much the team matters in these situations because right. the, oh, yeah, the yeah, team called him in at the right time. And I guarantee no rider was out there thinking, I should go to Slicks now when the team gave him that board. And he trusted his team and came in. And all the other guys stayed out clearly too long. Way too long. They were losing six, eight seconds a lap to Marquez, and they kept staying out despite their boards saying, please come in. Well, two things. Number one, first, did you see Marquez, when he jumped on the bike, as far as we could tell, never looked down at his tires. Complete trust in his team to put him on the tires. They clearly that had a plan before. They yeah. talked about it. And the other riders Lots coming of out other of the guys pits? were looking at their tires <laughs> trying to figure out what, because they didn't know, right? Well, because if you came in at a, a little right. early, intermediates would have been probably the best choice. And a couple of Almost the guys were crashed. It, it was a great race. It's Almost one of those races where you can watch it for strategy. You can watch it for tactical. You can watch it for what the mechanics are doing. I bought the, the Max Pass. I got all the camera angles. So I, right. tonight I can watch that. And watch the camera that's in the pits the whole time. Because those, I was saying during the during the race, I'm glad I'm not the crew chief there. Because oh. how do you make the right decision? Right? And every single lap, that decision would be would, would different, different. You know exactly. Oh man, that's where they earn their money. It, really it was did. it was a spectacular yeah. race. It was a great demonstration. And go Jack Miller. He yeah. he he demonstrated the maturity that I've been hoping to see. At the la- was it just the last round when he won, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And now only two weeks later, uh, he gets seventh place after leading the race, yep. right? So he demonstrated it wasn't just a fluke at Assen. He kept his maturity. He was fast in the rain and the warm-up, and he did everything right. He came from mid-pack. Meanwhile, Lorenzo lost his mind. Like Lorenzo did not. He didn't. Didn't like the conditions. Hey, did, wasn't going to crash. Can we pause this and check that that? Because no, I know exactly what it is. Doing, it didn't yeah. do that before. I know. We might be having technical problems, folks. Hey, you might hear a little clipping every now and then. <laughs> no big deal. Um, anyway, um, Lorenzo didn't. He didn't want to. He didn't want to be there. When he comes on, wow, he's like a cheap watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's horrible. Yeah, I mean that guy is on a razor's edge, man. You know, there you is, know, you've heard the saying. Uh, you can teach a fast guy to stop crashing, right? Right, but you—it's a lot harder to teach a, a, slow, a slow guy, guy to go, go faster, fast, right? right? And Marquez has demonstrated that over the last few years, right? Especially In the beginning, this year. right? Wow! He, even that year where he won so many races, he crashed like a maniac. No, mostly in practice. Okay, right? But he crashed, right? That and that counts, you know. Um, Lorenzo has crashed eight times so far this year. That's more than the combined previous three or four seasons together. You know, and what did he crash like? like he crashed three times this weekend. Seven times in qualifying, <laughs> something like that. Twice. <laughs> Two like, does not make seven. We're out of bikes. Yeah. <laughs> Who is it? Was it Loris Baz? 
who went, who came in, swapped bikes, came back in the left. Give me yeah, another bike back. They had mechanical problems. Yeah, he uh, had he had a tor- horrible weekend. It was tough. Yeah, it was very very difficult. Well, but, that those kind of events, right? Oh, you know, to finish my point about Marquez, right? So he was crazy fast, right? And he won all those races, then he won the championship. Then the next year, he tried too hard and he lost the championship in part of crashing too much. And now this year, he's the crazy fast guy when he needs to be, when he wants to be, when he right. can be. And then he's the smart guy he when let, he needs to be. He let Barbara push him down the six. Exactly. He let didn't him because it didn't matter. He knows Barbara's not a championship threat, right? et cetera, et cetera. Just and look at the result of that. He yeah. is 40 points ahead 48. of number two 48. in the championship, right? He can just go, ah, fuck it. I don't want to go to race X and still be 23 a points full ahead. race ahead. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know, it's just, that's yeah. just, That's now, and, right? Now you can't touch the guy because now he can ride any way he wants. Exactly. He can, if he just feels like it, fuck it. Every corner, every lap, I'm completely sideways, or he can stroke it around in third. You, you can't watch MotoGP racing and not be a fan of Marquez. It's that a- crash in the warm-up today, six minutes from the end, was horrendous. It slammed him on the ground with no warning in front of the motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. And and the bike cartwheeled through the gravel and missed him by itches. We got lucky on that. He comes back on the scooter, gets off the scooter clearly sore and stiff. They get him out on the other bike. He gets one lap, mostly because you don't want the last thing you did before the race race. to be crash your freaking brains out. And then he rode smart he rode mostly at the front he made the right gamble on when to change listen to his it was beautifully done congratulations you know what? if he wraps up the championship he will have earned it in the best way possible it's nine races out now yeah it's past all, halfway or, all, or no, it's damn close halfway. to halfway and 48 points five well, points is between first and second dude. anything can happen this year granted who, who knows? my point is that he yeah. doesn't even have to win another race when, to be the champion yeah when he has a two race buffer and that kind of speed you, well, you we, were can talking, we were talking about this with Tom Sykes a couple of years ago in Superbike. He had um, a big enough margin, had a big enough margin where he could go out and take chances that other guys couldn't take. And when you can go out and take chances like that, then you or can not do, take chances, or whatever not take, yeah, plays to your day, it's right? It's just hard to yep. beat that over over a period. Yeah. It makes it easy for the other guys, right? Yeah. They just got to be perfect and win every race they can. Yeah. Cool. Just right. Yeah. Easy, right? <laughs> yeah. Just oh. go beat Mark Marquez. Yeah, you that's know. What yeah. You gotta do right. <laughs> All right. What do we got on the list? Uh, we All got right. a we got a bunch of things. Uh, but oh, okay. Go ahead. I got one I want to talk about. Something fully serious. And I got a two minute board. Go on. So. A little while ago, I made a disparaging comment on this show. I said, Aaron Yates wasn't the smartest guy I ever met. Now, that's probably true. I've met a lot of really, really smart guys, right? You've met me. And Tony's right there. And the relative smartness of various people between other various people depends on the topic, right? I mean, I know a guy, a professor, who's a genius. He was working on feeding the hungry of the world, right? Making carps grow faster because they're a great source of protein. Right, but literally the guy didn't know where his car keys were. Right. Just like the classic genius, right? So you on that scale. Anyway, I saw Aaron a couple times at Miller and Laguna. His son is racing in the KTM yeah, class. I want to apologize for making that disparaging comment. I'm totally out of line. I don't know Aaron well enough to know to make a comment like that about him or anybody else. He's clearly having a good time, doing a good job in a good program. That that whole thing, the Moto America, the KTM series for the kids is working exactly like how everybody wants it to be. And so, good on them, and I'm sorry. I want to say this about Aaron, okay? He and might, he's fast, too. 
I we relative levels of intelligence aside, he was fast enough and good enough during a period when road racing paid well enough and it had a depth of field and had hey not only could he beat the, some of the good guys on his day, but he was smart enough to know what to do with his money. Guy never has to work again. You know the guy. You no, know, that's an easy mistake for people in this position to make, right? Because blowing your money. Oh, you think you it's, come yeah, up you think it's be forever? Well, or that it's just that you had none for so long and you're overwhelmed when you right? suddenly have a lot. Yeah, yeah. And then beyond buying a house, you're like, okay, I can buy a car and some coke and right. Right. A lot of people, rock stars, of course. We're not saying likely. that we're not saying that Aaron Yates is a cokehead. No. Okay, wait a minute. I'm just using that as an example. Rock stars are the guys that do that the worst. Motorcycle right. racers tend to not ruin you know melt their lives down as badly because uh, they usually well the rock star right you know what? they You're they right. it's so instantly and it's so much money with a motorcycle guy like you don't get five million dollars all of a sudden you get a couple hundred thousand and then, you know and so it's harder to to blow your brain up I anyway will say, i will say that thomas stevens uh talked about that when i interviewed him and he said you know michael in this sport when even if you're a champion even if you're a champion it when you retire, it doesn't mean you never have to work again. No, absolutely. You got to be and thinking. And about they're young it. too. They got a long time yeah, to, right? to go. Right, they live off of that. Yeah. KRJR apparently was really good at that. Kenny's kid. Um, he made all the all the smart business decisions. He's done really well for himself. Yeah. Right. It. it I mean, just if you pay for your house, whatever you right you you right for most people a house is a 30 year investment right and if you can just pay for a house oh my god right you got basically a thousand dollars a month cash free in your pocket because you're not making your mortgage payment you know close enough and, and and that puts you ahead of most people that guarantees you a place to sleep for the rest of your life what right? we're saying what we're saying yeah. is that we like aaron yates even though he cut his hair well yeah, and that's a little too <laughs> and if you're a racer buy a house yes with your money as soon exactly. as you can and and all so what what did you have um where was i first off i want to say god bless tony elias Okay. <laughs> He's lighting up the series. It's, it's great you, to have a four-way battle at the front. Did you see him at Laguna those last couple of laps? I had, I my friend uh, my friend Chuck um, gets uh, some passes, so we're up by the flag room. And we're standing on the fence in turn one watching. And Elias is in third the last couple of laps. And I'm like thinking, okay, I think he's going to try to outbreak, what was it, either um, either Josh or Cameron. Whoever was in second, I think he might get the guy in second. And then you look a little longer, it's like, now he's going all the way to the front. Oh, God. And I'm watching it like a kid at a horror movie. Fingers over my eyes. And he's just like, what did Josh say at the end? It was like, Toro! He'd come charging through, first to third, run it wide, back to third. Just awesome. But I'll tell you, he's made Josh pick up his game. Mm -hmm. He's made Cameron pick up his game. He made Yoshimura pick up their game. Roger Hayden. Hayden. Roger Hayden. Man, I was such an idiot. It's a perfect example, right? We got a million examples of bad teammate things. Yeah. Here's a guy that comes in and it it lights the whole team up. It was so much fun. I I was not about to leave before that race was over. That was fun. That was fun to watch. I'm such an idiot. I mistook mistook Roger for Tommy. (laughs) <laughs> and I, yeah, boy, that was embarrassing. Um, I'm where sure was it's I? happened before. Yeah, I guess. Um, what else is it going to say? So how we got time? a note here. How much it's, time we got? We got halfway. Oh, okay, no, cool. no. I'm sorry. Uh, we're trying for 20 minutes, and so we're at 15 minutes right okay, now. Okay, what's the note? What's this? Roland Sands and professionalism. Roland had her. I, I met, uh, I did a track day on the Monday after, um, after the races at Laguna Seca. 
Um, and I, I was talking to Roland Sands for a little while. And it was actually kind of cool. Um, I told Roland about the last time I'd run into him and he grinned. He said, you know something? The... And this has to do with your club racer. It eventually loops back to the club racer. He said, I walked around this paddock today. Now, understand what Roland does. Roland sells custom bikes. Roland sells and clothing. clothes. And yeah. So, it, so for those of you who don't know, Roland Sands, son of the owner of Performance Machine, right. which is the company that's famous for the chicane spun aluminum wheels mm -hmm. from back in the day. And so he, and he raced 250s in the AMA. Won the championship one of the years. Beat Ed Sorbo in the process of doing it. Total badass. And and he's a he's a full on win or crash guy, um, and and so you know they had a big truck. We'd like to apologize in truck. advance to Roland Sands. Roland will be the first guy that will tell you that that's how he rode. Um, and uh, and and he's now spun that success and that notoriety. He had a he had some kind of reality TV show thing going for a bit. And it's all been based at marketing performance machine. And then Roland has taken the company to the next level and made all kinds of other RSD. products based yes. around whole bikes and T-shirts and clothing and the whole bit. It's expanded to coming and successful. So some guys make it to the top and get paid really well and invest their money smart. A lot of guys make it to near the top and take that notoriety and turn it into a business opportunity. Yeah. I was watching just a lot a, of ways to make a living. A brief aside, I was watching the 1983 IndyCar race at Laguna Seca earlier today. And um, cars again. Cars. Yeah, but dude, first off, if you're okay, listening, let's not lose the Roland Sand point. If you're listening and you have anything to do with the rules for IndyCars, look at those cars, go to the car makers and say, "What rule book do we have to write to make the modern car look like these?" Cuz those were awesome. Secondly, this was before they modified Laguna, so it was plunging. Dangerous. Oh my God, that looked terrifying. So here's the deal with Roland. We were talking. He says, I I've been walking around the paddock all weekend long. He says, the bikes look good now. I said, what do you mean? He says, they look professional. There's not a pile out here anymore. Even the people who are slow, he said, their bikes look good. And you know, that, does, that says a lot about a series. Because it's not just, only one person can win. You know, only yeah. one person can win a race. But to attract sponsors, to attract attention, to have a sport that people want to be involved in, it's got to look good. It's got to look good. And Roland's right about that. Mm -hmm. And some of the credit goes to Motor America mm -hmm. because they are encouraging that. Mm -hmm. And they are, I'm sure there's some amount of carrot and stick. I'm sure that if, I've only been to two events. But I'm sure that if you're consistently the, the worst looking pit, you're going to get farther and farther away from the action <laughs> from the when, you, when you get parked, right? <laughs> you know? uh, but also, Moto America is supporting the riders to do the right stuff. They have a section on their website in the competitor part where they give you advice on your social media plan and things like that. Right. And to give you an example of how easy it is to work with them. So Daniel was in the turn two pileup at right. Laguna. And so his parents... Uh, and friends are relatively new to the racing stuff. And at Laguna, the med station is on the outside of turn 11. Right. Uh, so, you know, turn nine, outside of turn 11. Okay. So you have to go over the bridge and go around to get to it, okay? Right. So the crash happens, and we wait, and he doesn't come back, and we're not sure what to do. So one of us goes over, and we see the bike come back to tech. No fucking way we're fixing that. <laughs> okay, go back, gather up the groove, bring everybody to our paddock. Okay, and now I've got the scooter and the most experience. So I assign dad to stay at the pit 
because presumably Daniel's working his way back to the pit and then dad will be there. Mm -hmm. And then I take off on the scooter to find out where he might be if he's not coming back. So I'm heading over to where I know the officials are and the first official I say is world champion Wayne Rainey. I pull up on my scooter, hey Wayne, where's the medical center here? And he says, it's on the outside of turn 11, but wait, and he calls over this lady who's directly involved. And she comes over and she says, yes, Daniel was transported. He's fine. He's at the turn 11 thing. You can get there by going blah, 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 blah. So I take off. Thanks, Wayne. Right? World champion, right? <laughs> Taking care of my issue about where is my guy and get it's, everything taken care of, right? It just feels like a real series now. And the other thing that's going on is that if you go club racing today mm -hmm. and compare it to club racing in the 90s, it looks better in the clubs. Everybody's got an easy up. Right? For one reason, you can get easy ups cheap now. We didn't have them back then. We had blue tarps. Right. It looked like ass, right? And everybody's bike is a better presentation. There are far less guys racing on $50 because you can't race on $50. You and know? They're, they're, even though there are fewer people in the paddock. Yes. The ones that are going to stay are the ones that are going to have their shit together more. And the bikes are so fast now and so complicated that the people that don't care, that don't even know how to adjust their chain, they can't compete. They don't get a reward. They're slow. And then they don't come back. Mm -hmm. Whereas it used to be, you showed up on your hurricane and you didn't even change the gearing. Well, who cares? I couldn't click my clickers better than you. There were no clickers. clickers. Right? <laughs> so what I'm saying? So uh -huh. I'm saying the whole sport has moved better. And then Moto America is a step above that. And they need to be that if they want to have the TV and good on them. And my and the, the point that loops us back to club racing is... You know, people ask us, you ask you and I all the time, how do I get somebody to support me? Hey, why don't you make your paddock someplace they want to hang out? You know, I got a great example of that. So I'm at Laguna and I'm filling up water buckets okay. for my easy up. Right. Right. And I'm thinking about the 24 hour mini bike race that's coming up. He's got the carbs off. Awesome, Robert. Fast. Good work. And one of the riders I'm thinking about asking if he wants to ride in the 24 hour on the team that I'm starting to put together does something really stupid at the water bucket filling station in front of me, and he doesn't know that he's no longer considered for that race. Now, maybe that's a little bit unfair, and I'm still reconsidering because... No, dude, but that's the real world. But that, that's, yeah, exactly. You don't know when you're being that's why watched I tell my, and judged. I tell my, my idiot uh, students, I tell them, watch what you put on social media. Yeah, yeah. Once it's there, it's there forever. <laughs> for and you might think it's a chuckle now, but 20 years from now... Somebody can find that. You're looking for a job. All you know is that you get the form letter that says thank you for, for, for applying. You don't even get a response. And, or, and you have no idea why. So watch me segue this back. So we watched the German GP. And yes. Jack Miller does Absol as good a job as Absolutely. you can do. Meanwhile, Ioni is holding up to the camera whenever it looks at him in the pits twice. Uh -huh. A picture of some friend of his asleep on the airplane with his mouth open. And he's got a caption in Italian that's probably a little bit rude for the friend. I don't think he's going to be shaking the uh, maniac off of his leathers. Oh, no. no but I think that not. Jack Miller is more likely to, to, to remove to do the that. jackass. Yes. By exactly. the way, um, what's your two minute board? Hold on, we're almost there. If you are watching this then and, and you haven't watched the MotoGP race yet, too bad. Um, we've already spoiled it. Well, for you. they won't hear this till Tuesday. Right, the race is and over. Over, yeah, I yeah. know, but still, our people our are... people are watching it on the day. Uh, you know, sometimes you just don't get a chance to do that. Well, but I digress. Life's tough. Um, where was I? Right. Um, Cal Crutchlow 
Took second. Yeah, good his job. His best ever GP Is finish. Really, that's his best ever. I, okay. what I, th- I think that's what I heard him say. Yep. I know it's been a long time since it's, he's been on a podium. It's satisfying when you do really well in difficult situations like that. But I was telling Tony, did you see how he crossed the line? Yeah, you, no, you mentioned no that. No wheeling, no waving. Yeah, he, was, he was tucked and Crossed the line. Man, tucked and pinned. And, Make and sure that's, nobody got that's him. That's a perfect example of what we're looking for. You're reaching at the professional level. Right. Be a professional. By all means, if you're Marquez and you've got a 20-second lead and you want to stand up and make like an airplane across the line, right? you've got a 20-second lead. Yeah, go right, right ahead. If you're in a right? battle, I learned this in high school cross-country and track. The coach taught us to run past the finish line. Yes. And the reason was, well, you might pass the guy. And also, it's being judged by people. Who right. Cro- and the guy who looks faster... If it's really, really close, they're probably going to get the nod. And so my finish line was always a yard past the actual finish I have line. Been, I, have been, I, I think I've mentioned it before. I have been awarded a win. Mm-hmm. That timing and scoring said I was second, but all four of the manual scorers said it I was first. Faster. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Two-minute board. Um, so there's a, um, right now in MotoGP, um, communication between bike and pits, completely forbidden. They're thinking about it for next year. Right now in Formula One, there's all these rules about what you can say to the driver. And Mercedes has had two, they've been penalized once and lost a race because something went wrong with the car. The driver's actually calling to the pits going, what do I do? And the the crew chief says, I can't tell you. They they have rules about what you can say. They have rules about what you can, I cannot tell you. So it's like a version of we don't want telemetry? They have the rider do the... It was like so in MotoGP though they hold up a board, board. that says switch to map yes. twelve or you can't, whatever. You can't do that anymore. The, Lewis is what actually was the reasoning behind that to make to put the driver more in charge of the car. So in Moto America they currently have the rule that says you have to have a radio that listens to the Moto America channel in right. the pits. Right. And it's really cool because yeah. then they go on. You know they got the schedule down to the minute, but it's going to be a few seconds this way, right? So they, when you're getting ready to go out for the parade lap to start the race, right. to go, they go, okay, Moto America people, three minutes, right? Then two minutes, and, and so you can decide exactly when you want to pull the warmers. It makes right. it just takes all the uh, uh, where you know right. you just it makes your life easier. Is always better. And so from my and then Moto America AMA Pro with right. Moto with DMG had a radio communication thing that they allowed. They required it in the Endurance Series. It was right. awesome in an Endurance Series, right? It fits in to the strategy. No, don't pit yet. Yes, do pit. They had the pace car rule and all that stuff, which mm-hmm. all worked great in an Endurance Series. Trying to bring the pace car into a Sprint Series, uh, a little trickier. It could be done, but it, it, works, it didn't works work. It so, works in British Superbike. Yeah, you got to bring it in the right way. Anyway, I like the idea of more communication. I do too. You know? The problem is there you got the cost and the weight of the radio and the tether to the rider. And so if you got some guy who's just a club guy and he wants to come to your event, the radio might be a problem, right? You have it's a lot it's an expensive radio and you're only gonna use it one time. But you can maybe do a thing with rentals and yeah, you're right, there's new technology coming on that might make it so what I would say to everybody who's in this situation is the participants who would have to use the technology approach it with an open mind as a new cool shock or something you know and try what? it. Nas- and the, the organization, 
try to give them some latitude to choose the technology they like that works for them NASCAR, and saying what you can say to the t- rider. That's stupid. NASCAR years ago figured out... Well, they the, can't race without it. The, the, they have but, to have it. Hold on. But the car to pick communication yeah, and backward, it's, it's something they sell now. No, they do. That's who doesn't the, Who doesn't want to hear the driver yelling at the pit crew The or radio that I bought to use at Moto America is advertised by the radio company for the NASCAR fan. Right. It's got multiple channels you can program in so you can... Pick your teams and switch between right, and right, hear right. what they're saying and all that. Love shit. that stuff. So yeah. this was this was I have to I have to give credit where credit's due. This was Sandy's idea. Okay, she says we should allow the pits to tell the riders and the drivers anything they want, but they have to do it in the way that the first and third base coach in baseball do it. <laughs> they have to stand there on the pit wall, well, that's tug what a, on their head, grab their is. crotch, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. It'd be great. You're, bin, you're you know, pinned, so the look tr- over. Did he just grab his balls so or was he tri- scratching his left foot? The trick here about the radios, to be serious, is the unintended consequence problem. That's right. You don't the thing that goes wrong that you didn't think of. Yeah. So that's why I was really happy that DMG had the radios in an endurance series. Right? In an mm-hmm. endurance series, you're a little bit easier. You take yep. it, in the start, who cares? It's a 12-hour race, right, right? Right. And so we learned in that series that there were no really big problems. Everybody, There's it worked nothing pretty wrong well. With it. Nothing wrong with the um, idea. So I would recommend phasing the thing in. I would recommend if you're at a club race and you're running an event there and somebody's trying to learn how to use his radio because he's going to go, leave him alone and let him use the radio. As a spe- and also, if you're a team, go to a track day and test it out. As a spectator, the more, the closer I feel like I'm in yeah. with that race Having the, the fans on, listening to your conversation is a good thing. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's only going to build. He's Ed Sorbo. He's Michael Gugis. Aloha. Aloha.